Entrepreneurs can get stuck in their head. If you dream of changing the world, but you're not sure where to start, the Add Value to Entrepreneurs podcast will help you transform your life and business. This podcast is for entrepreneurs who want more freedom and fulfillment from their work so they can live the life that they desire. You deserve it, and it is possible. It's time for you to add value. This episode is brought to you by Perfect Publishing. Perfect Publishing is a different approach to publishing a book. Perfect Publishing is sharing a project of hope. We carefully chose heroes of hope who exemplify living a life they created through faith, hope, patience, and persistence. No matter what page you open to in this mini cube of hope, you will find a leader with a big heart. You see you are not alone. The authors may share similar challenges that only hope and action could resolve. Get your free ebook at getadoseofhope.com. Get a dose of hope.com. My guest today is Brian Horvath. Brian is the president and CEO of the Horvath Training Institute, helping people to know, live, and love the purpose for their career and finances. Brian serves as an energizing, authentic, informative, and encouraging speaker, consultant, and coach with expertise in money management, career development, and LinkedIn. Brian Horvath and Robert dive into money and the importance of talking about money but keeping it simple so that you don't give up learning about it and using it. Brian loves to help people figure out what they were made to do and help them start doing it. Brian is an encourager, empowering entrepreneurs to next level success. Well, Brian, thank you for joining me. I'm just uh, looking forward to another great conversation and learning all I can from you. Hey, Robert, thanks for having me. Appreciate how you serve so many out there. And uh, I was listening to a couple shows earlier today and, and uh, took some notes myself, man. So, hey, here to serve and it's fun to do it together. I appreciate that. So I usually let everyone start with their own entrepreneurial journey and just what, what got them into being an entrepreneur and where they are now. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my whole purpose in life um, is to help people know, live and love the purpose for their career and finances. And ultimately, those are tools those careers, our careers, our finances are tools to help people execute or know, live, and love their life purpose. And uh, for me, for many years, I thought career and finances were the purpose of life. And so throughout my career journey and, and having some successes and, and some learnings, <laughs> um, I finally learned that uh, those are not the pursuit of happiness. The pursuit of happiness uh, comes many different ways, but those aren't it. Those are tools to help us achieve that, whatever that looks like for somebody. And uh, ultimately, after learning that, I took a role in vocational ministry out of being corporate world. I was in the wine and spirits business and distribution and uh, managing teams. And uh, I realized, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I start um, serving with a local church here in Tampa Bay where I live and love doing that as a volunteer. And I come home from my wine job and hop in. Sometimes not even go home. I just run right to the uh, right to the church in a suit and tie, which was not the kind of church setting or the church environment that uh, had the suit and ties going on. And uh, I would just start uh, helping people with their finances because that was actually something, Robert, I needed help with myself. I found I loved that so much that for about another nine years after that, as a paid employee, I, uh, I served um, thousands of people uh, coming through our courses in career and finance and, and then purpose. And uh, real quick after that, went to lead a nonprofit as an executive director of a national career transition nonprofit. And uh, 18 months of that, um, I started to, uh, I tried to launch my own business. And that was in 2019 before the pandemic came. And I've been doing that since since then. So I've been wanting, I wanted to do that all through all those vocational ministry years and through, not all through all of them, but many of them. And also as an executive director of a nonprofit, I was too afraid. And then finally, uh, I was a, uh, sent out like a bird is sometimes from its nest to finally do it because that was the next thing. And so here I am doing it today. Yeah. I think about the cartoon image of the, the mama bird with the big boot. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Pretty much. That, that would nail it. So add that into this podcast somehow, some way. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously lots of different experience serving people and, and helping people. What, what was it that finally gave you the confidence to, to step out on your own? Yeah, what do they say? Um, what is it? Uh, you have to is the mother of all invention, or what? You help me out with that. <laughs> but uh, you know, it basically I had to. Um, my 
career non, um, ministry in the nonprofit space as far as an executive director came to an end. We gave it an 18-month try, and, and while we were successful in many areas, trying to raise funds at the same time, I just didn't get all that done as I wanted to. And so we came up with a board decision to remove me from the position. But you know what, man? I'm still connected with them in a big way. still love the purpose, and I'm so, so grateful that I took on that opportunity. There'd be a lot of things I'd do differently, um, learning, looking back, but I'm so forever grateful and still definitely connected with that that uh, that nonprofit today. But ultimately, I look back from a from a faith perspective, for me, that was God saying, "Look, I've equipped you've been equipped enough. You've studied enough. It's time to go out there and, and get it done for for me and for yourself." And um, it's been fun doing that. So it really was the necessity was a mother of all invention there. And so the necessity was, do I want to go back to W2 work or do I want to try this out for myself? And so that's what we did. Nice. And so what, what is it that you're, uh, that, how are, are you serving people now as an entrepreneur? Yeah. Yeah. So I started an LLC called the Horvath Training Institute. And basically the umbrella for um, brianhorvath.com, where I just really, I'm, I'm telling people about my public speaking opportunities, how I'm coaching and how I'm consulting. And so in the public speaking realm, it's funny because right as soon as COVID, or as soon as I launched COVID kind of hit a couple months later. And so that really put a lot of those with traditional public speaking opportunities to, to the side, but that launched other opportunities virtually that I would not, might not have had, had it been for the pandemic. Um, and then I consult businesses, helping them help their people with their finances. So if a company is finding their people are knocking on the door many often, many times for a raise, we really know that that's not the main issue is the money they're making, it's how they're managing it. So I help come alongside business owners that maybe don't have those conversations with their employees one-on-one for whatever reason, there's multiple. Uh, I just come alongside and bring that training, bring that expertise, bring my own personal financial journey in a transferable or transparent, uh, authentic way to help serve those uh, those employees, so they're not living paycheck to paycheck any longer, and they can add more value to the company because they're not bringing those money stresses into the job, into the marketplace. So I do that, and then in uh, LinkedIn space, I love helping people with LinkedIn, and this is where my coaching comes in, sharing their story, helping people share their story on LinkedIn and showcase their value, whether it is an individual in job search or if it's a company that has a sales organization or a sales channel that they want to maximize using LinkedIn to do it, I come alongside those and, and help them do that. Nice. Yeah, that, that finance side, I, I find it fascinating. Um, just recently heard a statistic that the average American family spends 105% of their income. Yes. <laughs> and then I know, I know that it's like less than 8% actually have a budget or, or a spending plan as I would prefer to, 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 you know, the language I would prefer to use. But the idea that you have to spend less than you make um, is, seems to be um, challenging for many people. Sure, well, there's a lot of drivers, right? Internal, you know, uh, trying to uh, feel like that might make them better off or they might give them comfort. And, and that was for me, honestly, a lot of it in my life was trying to not keep up with the Joneses as much as going, well, I've had a rough work week and this is going to make me happy going and spending or acquiring or something like that. And that got me in a world of hurt. The also is the external factor, right? That is the Joneses potentially. Someone says they need something to be successful or to be cool or to be included. Uh, or just what they see all around them. And then, of course, the the vehicle or the how they're going to get this financial freedom done, i.e. not calling it a budget maybe, but a spending plan, not being so tight, but being at least having some boundaries or some guardrails to help them stay focused as they're driving that money car. Uh, and sometimes those cars cost a lot of money. So, right, <laughs> so you got to be careful with that. But, yeah, it's a challenge, and, and that was, for me, a big challenge. I filed bankruptcy at age of 25, Chapter 7, because <laughs> – I didn't know any of these things, nor, Robert, did I want to hear any of these things. And uh, that landed me in a pit that was, I thought, inescapable, but for bankruptcy. And really, when I look back, I'm like, I could have done things without filing bankruptcy. I just didn't know how and didn't want to. So it's part of my journey as well. Well, and the other, the other piece I find fascinating as I've talked with more and more entrepreneurs, I start to recognize that um, culturally, especially in middle and lower income generationally or lower income you know, social uh, 
just social economically, uh, we're taught not to talk about money. Right. And so, so there's no conversations about, you know, what can I do besides declare bankruptcy? You know, am I paying a good interest rate? What, what other options do I have besides declaring bankruptcy? Right. No, there's no one to ask or have that conversation with because we've been told not to talk about money. So we don't even ask our neighbor, you know, well, what's the rate on your mortgage or how much rent are you paying? Or, you know, to have comparison, to have to, to make it OK to, to to discuss. And then, of course, people that are in relationships, you know, husband and wife. Well, we've been told our whole lives not to talk about money. And now well, we're supposed to put our money together and do all this crazy stuff like <laughs> it's it's insane to me that that we're told not to talk about money or sex. And both of those two are, are some of the most fascinating things in our existence and and most beneficial when you really know how to use them. Right, absolutely. You nailed it there. I think it's so important. The um, money is, again, a tool. So if we look at it as a tool, um, you know, getting training to how to use that tool is is very important and, and very rewarding as well as beneficial, um, not just to ourselves, but of course, if we're going to have children or make an impact in our community all the while um, we can do that as well as helping ourselves and helping ourselves is a good thing. That's yeah, not absolutely. a bad thing. It's a good thing. Well, and it's just, it, it's intentionality. So much of entrepreneurship is as a business owner is, is being intentional with your life and right. being intentional with your money. And so <laughs> having the intention to know where every dollar you get goes and how you're using every bit of that, and, and what that dollar is doing for you, right? Instead of, you know, dollars like to work. And so if you think of the dollar as, as, a, as a tool, as an employee, as a, hey, how am I putting that dollar to work for, for me and my family? What is that dollar doing for me? Rather than, you know, stuffing it under the pillowcase or, you know, spending more than I make and allowing the credit card companies to benefit from, you know, everything that I'm doing. Um, Compound interest works, and and you're either you're either benefiting from compound interest, or you're you're helping somebody else with your compound interest. Exactly right. Exactly. It's like uh, yeah, it's going to work for you or against you, but it's working somewhere for someone. And uh, you know, I think that again, it comes with choices for sure. It comes with experience for sure. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to hit the wall. You're going to have ups and downs. You know, there's opportunities as you are having the wins to pr provide some some netting to catch your fall because you will fall, you know, an emergency fund or money set aside for, oops, I didn't realize that was going to happen or it did and I wish it hadn't, but it did. And so how do we work that out? And so that's why I try to keep money simple. I mean, for so many times people too think it's about math. And for me, my ninth grade algebra teacher told me I'd never pass math. And so of course I somehow some way carried that with me, although I did pass, um, somehow I carried that with me into my adulthood that goes, mm, this spending plan thing or this financial thing kind of looks like math. And for me, I'd like, I'm not good at that. So why try to learn more than that? And then you just leave yourselves uh, out there on an island. It can be and up to your own devices. And sometimes our own devices aren't that, uh, aren't that helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Sometimes it's, it's interesting how our mind, if it's similar, if we're not intentional about the thoughts that we have and the things that are happening in our head, especially when it comes to our money and in the choices that we're making, um, you would definitely choose wrong more times than right. Yeah. Why is that? Maybe I didn't have my V8 today. I'm bending the wrong way. Or if you remember that commercial, you know, <laughs> uh, so. Absolutely. So you mentioned LinkedIn and, and obviously yeah. LinkedIn can be a powerful generation tool uh, for building your audience. What, what's been effective and helpful for you to, to generate leads yeah, it's funny you say that because there's an interesting uh, illustration to that recently where I, I spoke at a, my local church for about four services and on, on the topic of money. And on the topic of money, there's some people that saw it. And, that, you know, in, in a church of a, a decent size, there's going to be some business owners in there. And if you have some business owners, they're going to someone in that business owner pool is going to have a sales team. And so I had a guy that contacted me with a, an HR firm. It's called Puzzle HR. He saw my um, my speaking and he got reminded that Brian does coaching on LinkedIn or, or does trainings on LinkedIn. And then when I talked to Lonnie, he said, well, Brian, you know, I've been seeing all over LinkedIn. And then I saw you at church and I was like, oh, my gosh, I need to hire this guy. And I'm going to get to your question. The answer is consistency. Consistency of being on the platform 
on LinkedIn and having value-added content. Hello, that's why I'm on this podcast, add value, right? So a value-added content that doesn't have to be like earth-shattering, world-changing, world-dominating, but consistent messaging about whatever your brand is or topic or area of expertise or whatever that's going to help people know, live, and love their purpose. And so for me, that put, for what I did in my speaking engagement, and what I've done on LinkedIn, put that together for this particular business owner. And just recently, another person had just said to me that, hey, Brian, do you, it's funny. He said, do you, do you, I need to get some help with my LinkedIn. Do you do anything with that? <laughs> and he emailed me on LinkedIn. And, and if, if Matt looked further in my portfolio, or my profile, excuse me, he would see that, yeah, of course I do. But that didn't, that came from being consistent over time that somewhere in his brain, in his mind, that got put in. And then he actually used LinkedIn to make the ask. And so we have a conversation tomorrow about it. So there's just that consistency of being in front of people and not even worrying about algorithms, but just start, be consistent, add value, create, or even curate content that's going to add value to what your, your passion is, what your purpose and, and how you're trying to position your business. Nice. Let's dig a little further into that curate content, because for some people creating content just seems like impossible or overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah, so curating content, I think, you know, again, this is where those hashtags look uh, ridiculous sometimes for those that don't understand them or don't use them. But the reason why hashtags exist, right, is that they're topic-based. And so if you want to talk about, let's just speak to things that matter to entrepreneurs, go on to LinkedIn and searching certain hashtags that are in your market or in your general area of industry, your vertical market, or whatever you want to call it, your niche, sub-niche, sniper niche, whatever. <laughs> just find some things to share that are helping your people. So if you're not ready to create the content or you're looking to see what others are doing, because there is nothing new under the sun, we all know this. You know, what, we've, what we're saying, what I'm saying right now is nothing new, um, but that you use that as a place to start and just add value by sharing. And the cool thing is you share with someone who's never seen content from, you know, whoever the producer is of it, or the creator is of it, and then you get to learn something yourself and you're sharing else somebody's value. And I think that's always good to be sharing. It's always good to be serving. It's always good to be, you know, spreading out the good word. And so I think that's a great place to start. Just going and hashtagging in the search box on LinkedIn and using uh, some keywords that make sense to your audience and find some things just to share from there. So you mentioned consistency in platform and consistency in, in, uh, in content. Let's talk about consistency in character or authenticity. Yeah, so I think for me, um, you know, for, for folks in general, be you. Uh, there's a quote out there that we all make a lousy somebody else. <laughs> and so I think to be authentic is to really set or separate ourselves apart. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a... I'm recovering people pleaser. I'm a recovering perfectionist. You know, <laughs> really, what I re learned in the past probably 18 months, definitely since having my business, and you may have too, Robert. I'm sure you've counseled and coached many entrepreneurs in this sense that progress over perfection. Mm. And really, for me, the perfection thing I found is really procrastination. Whether it's fear driven or I think I got to make one more tweak, I got to make sure my lighting is at a sort a turn. You know, I can't possibly let my uh, you know, my guard down if I'm having a rough week, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so I think about being authentic should always be an anchor or a compass. In today's business, people like to work with people they like. And one of the best ways to get people to like you fast, of course, is to create some kind of common bond. It's hard to do that when you're not being authentic. And just today, I got a thing on LinkedIn, a message on LinkedIn. Here's like how not to do it, right? <laughs> you got a thing on LinkedIn going, hey, you know, let's connect. I'd uh, love to network. I'm like, great. Okay, of course. Why not, right? And I believe in, without getting it down to side, side, uh, sideways here or off path, is I, I believe in connecting with everybody unless it's immoral and ethical or, or, or not with integrity um, or illegal on, on LinkedIn. But um, this gentleman said, hey, I'd love to connect. And, of course, two days later, I'm waiting for it. Where, where's, the, where's, the, where's the pitch? And not pitching is not bad, Right. But if you have not read my profile, if you're asking me about, can I, do I want to start a business? I'm like, I own my own business already. You're not reading the profile. You're running an automation sequence, which again, I have automations, but it's not out of the gate. And so today I respond back and go, hey, no thanks, not interested in that. And he says, I thought you were open to networking. 
<laughs> Which hopefully is not in his sequence, but apparently he really got into it. I'm like, hey, well, you know, actually, I'd like to know the name of your company because that's not the case. Crickets. Hmm. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I find it fascinating. When, fascinate when you reply to to somebody's you know connection request. Hey, I'd like to connect, and the next thing you know is we've got the perfect solution to grow your business. Boom! Just send your check here. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I right. I don't even That's... know your name, let alone what you look like. Right. Right. Oh. And I'm all about like, hey, you know what? If, if that's your strategy, and you're going to run the numbers game on it, you know, you might get a few. But goodness gracious, please don't respond back with, "I thought you said you were open to networking," because that didn't sound like networking at all. No. <laughs> that sounded like what's in it for me dot com, right? Or you know, f what's in it for me. You know, was it WIIFM? That's the radio dial we all turn to. What's in it for me, right? That didn't add up to wow. networking. So crazy. But I love it because it gives me it gives me conversation pieces like this. Oh, absolutely. And and I feel like I feel like LinkedIn. Some of those DMs are are basically the the, the modern scam uh, spam, right? Like, yep. <laughs> you know. The, the telephone, of course, I still get them on the telephone. I still get them on, on Facebook. I suppose it's a, I should expect them on LinkedIn as well. Yeah. Uh, Today I got one. It said, uh, here, this is real great. Uh, who, oh, can I call you later? Uh, first of all, I don't know the number. Who is this? You're not going to hear anything. What am I going to say? Yes. Yeah. Call me later. What are we going to talk about? I mean, it's just like, how does this work? But obviously, Robert, we know some, someone it's working. Uh <laughs> It's like the phone call that's telling me that Amazon is trying to authorize a charge for an iPhone and uh, AirPods, and it's like $997. It's like, well, Amazon doesn't even have uh, Amazon account. I don't What? Does somebody actually click this? Where does it go? And, yeah. you know, I want to respond, you know, dispute it just to see what they say. So I because there's got to be somebody getting on the phone and having a conversation that tries to convince you to give them something of value. Well, speaking about authenticity earlier, you know, I, and you probably read this somewhere too, because I know you're a leader and leaders are readers. And <laughs> you've mentioned one of my favorites in another podcast, Jim Rohn, who I love Jim Rohn. And mm. uh, one of the, I don't think he said this, but you know, one of the things we learn most from is not the people that are successful and made it. Not most, we do learn from them, sure. But the failures or the ones that say, hey, here's what I did that didn't work. And I think, you know, keep bringing this stuff because, you know, it's, it's fun to share those illustrations about what doesn't work. And if that could keep us to stay away from it, to be successful, that might be a shorter path. So, Well, and doesn't work, especially in the sales conversation where, yeah, it might work one out of a hundred or yeah. one out of a thousand. Right. But do I really want to DM a thousand people to get one? <laughs> and then, and then for me, it's, it's, if I've set up the coaching conversation with that kind of conversation ahead of time, what kind of coaching relationship are we going to have, even if they do decide, you know, to purchase? You sure. know, and so for me, this it's the beginning of a relationship, and and I that's not that's not how I want to begin my relationships. And I use DM, I use LinkedIn. It's a powerful, powerful tool, um, but it's it's also very personal. You have to read their profile. You have to, and then and then you can yeah. automate some pieces, like you said, in the middle. You know, hey, how's your business going? Boom. And then, you know, there's a follow up, you know, well, what's working? What's not working? And, and then and then we've had a little bit of a conversation that that can set up, you know, a coaching call, of course, that that says, hey, will we, you know, be a good fit together? Um, but if you if you don't do the work, <laughs> right, you, you can't automate out of, out of your, your niche. Right. You need to you need to use it to find your niche and to, to narrow down. But coaching is all about relationship. And so I want to lead people into a relationship, right, exactly. <laughs> not away from one. Yeah, exactly. Hey, quick ways to uh, not get a date. <laughs> Ask them to marry you first. Right. Um, so, you know, what I'm saying it's like that's just the reverse. But that but again, that's the cool thing, too. You think about it, that you separate yourself, just like when I advise folks that are in career transition or even kind of opportunity where where an address can receive a, a nice handwritten note oh my gosh i mean exponentially you set yourself apart and email's great definitely do it but if you can get that address for someone and send a personalized note man wow what a difference maker so it's just good absolutely 
All right. So, so that leads me to, to the idea you mentioned learning from people's failures, learning from people's mistakes. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the power of, of mentors and, and, and how to find mentors. Yeah, that's a great, great topic. Um, you know, I think we all need them. Um, it, it being, I'm a Christ follower. So just share my faith with folks that I believe God put us together here for a reason. He wants us to team up with each other. Teamwork makes the dream work. As we say in our family, I a little kid, Grayson seven, a little girl, Ella four, and my wife, Becky. And so that's huge, I think, in business and in life. And I call it the dream team. I'm sure many others do too, right? Is this having certain folks in your corner and you in their corner. So certain folks that you need to be a part of their dream team as well that can add value to you. I mean, I had a, a mentor um, years ago who I met through one of my coworkers. This gal, Amber Robbins, saw something in me. And here I am coming right out of college. I graduated from Ohio State. And so I'm in Columbus, Ohio. And uh, she saw this broken down kid trying to be successful, but didn't have a clue about how to manage money, his emotions or his time or anything. And uh, God bless her. <laughs> she felt bad for me <laughs> and introduced me to her husband at Rex, who became a mentor for me. And also um, I've done business with him. And also he's, he was the best man at my wedding like 10 years later and also introduced me to this guy called Jesus. And so... Um, They've been huge in my life, and that just opened up the door for me years ago. And he didn't try to say, I'll be your mentor. He just talked to me about the idea of having one mm. and what a mentor could look like and what mentors in his life look like. And that prompted me to go, well, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but it looks like this guy might be my mentor because he took time with me. We had some rapport, but he also wasn't afraid to challenge me. And so I think people should have mentors in their lives, people that are going to see things that they can't see for themselves the blind spots in our lives that, uh, you know, really help move us ahead where we want to go. So, mm, so good. You know, helping people recognize that, that Jesus can be a mentor is, is really powerful. You know, oh, I changed my life, man. Similarly came from, you know, a faith ministry background, you know, before coaching and, and, and what the work I'm doing is no different than the work I was doing in the church you know, helping people change bad habits to good habits, helping people choose, you know, good decisions over bad decisions. And, and of course, you know, believe in themselves and, and believe that, that God is for them, not against them. And so having that, that faith element that, that God created you for a reason and, and you've got great things to do in this world. If you believe in yourself and you believe that, that God is for you and not against you, um, so much that, that people consider impossible becomes possible. And that's really what coaching is all about is still, you know, even if it's in that personal development space, um, it's, it's the same. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Right. I, I just interviewed a coach for, for my podcast as well. And you've had as well. And um, Jesus talks about that old, old uh, vision of what's a coach, right? You know, the horse drawn buggy, right? The coach in the carriage taking a person from point A to point B Mm. That could be a three-mile journey. That could be a three-hour journey, whatever the case may be. And I've really learned how to, you know, I have this structure and this program and this curriculum that I may use. But really, I find like, man, when you get started with that, that's great. But when you start meeting with people and building rapport, it's really about what do you want to accomplish today? And they got stuff on their mind. And they're looking to work it out with us. And that's really a privilege, a blessing, but also a great responsibility and uh, I don't take it lightly. Although some days it, it, it gets it gets uh, it can get you down if you let it. I mean, because there's so much going on in this world today. We will be right back after this short break. This episode is sponsored by the newly released book Dream Life Planner: Move from Tired and Overwhelmed to Free and Empowered by Noel L. Peterson. Available on Amazon, or you can order a personalized signed copy at empower e m p o w e r two dream.com that's empower number two dream.com if you enjoy the show please like and subscribe leave a review tell your friends welcome back let's get back to more greatness well the, the truth is though you know we, all of us have made a mess of our lives <laughs> and and really you know really it's it's leaders like you and i that are willing to lean into the mess and walk people through the consequences. I can't change the choices that they've made. I can't change the decisions that they've done in their past, but all I can do is come alongside and say, all right, we want a different destination than where we're headed. 
you know, how do we figure out how to get there? Right. Like, I mean, even people with addictions, right. Oh. That, that, that they're suffering the consequences of many of their choices, criminals suffering the consequences of many of their choices, but they still have the same value of being born in the image of God. That's never can be taken away from them. And when they figure out that God's got their back and wants to do great things with them, hmm. you look at the number of people that have found their faith in prison and gotten out of prison and done incredible, incredible things for other people because they figure out living in this world isn't about me. It's about the impact I can have for others. Wait, what did you say? It's not about me? It's not about me. <laughs> nope. Yeah. And, and the minute you figure that out, that you were put here to serve humanity in some way, there's a purpose inside you that, that God created you with. And, and he planted the seeds. And when you find it, it just feels right. It just, you just know that, gosh, this was what I was made for. And, and when you're doing it, you feel like, oh, this is what I was made for. It feels so natural. And, and it doesn't take a ton of education. It doesn't take a, a, a ton of background. I mean, yeah, you got to practice, you got to work sure. on some stuff. But it, sure. but it feels right. And so the practice comes naturally, the, the doing it, you know, you lean into it. And, and of course, you know, there's no greater satisfaction than helping somebody do what they were made to do. Oh my gosh. I, I agree. It's huge. Right. So Ephesians, forget it. Um, Ephesians 2.10, right. For all God's masterpiece uh, created in advance. And so God created us in advance through Christ to do these great works. And, you know, it, it's, it's troublesome some days. I'm like, you feel like some days my wife tells me that, you think the world's going to be perfect. I know I have this sometimes this, this utopian view. I don't want to encounter problems yet. I coach folks on the same thing. Like, Hey, you know, obstacle, no opportunity. Yes. And I have to remember that myself. And so back to being authentic and transparent. I mean, these are the things that I struggle with myself and it's almost like it's laughable that, you know, some days I'm like, I'm coaching someone else on this. I'm like, no, it's just for me as much as it is for you that we're in this together and, um, you know, there's that old 60s song, he's not heavy, he's my brother. <laughs> and so we got to lift each other up. If not, I mean, just talk about no hope. I think that's why we have some of the challenges we have today, because we're like, well, what's the point? You well, know? absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, I quit watching the news years ago, and I highly recommend for people, especially, you know, emotional burden is far too much to carry our <sighs> own, let alone carrying the entire Huge. planet's emotional burden, right? And so helping people choose joy, right? If I can wake up every morning and I can choose joy, even if it's just for the first five minutes before I talk to somebody in my family and get upset or get disappointed, right? I can choose joy. And if I can choose it for those five minutes, why can't I choose it for 10 minutes? And if I can choose it for 10 minutes, why not choose it for an hour, right? And, and giving people the understanding that you've got control over that. You've got an opportunity to choose how you show up in the world each and every moment. And that does that make it easy all the time? No, but you still get to choose. And so, you know, it goes back to the serenity prayer at the at the most intentional level. Right. Knowing what I can control, knowing what I can't control and asking God to give me the wisdom to know the difference oh my gosh. and focus <laughs> on what I can control and take full responsibility for what I can control. 100%. You're breaking up. What? <laughs> that responsibility piece, you know, it's like we're going through that at home now with my little man. And uh, it's like, oh, my gosh, I see myself and my little kids sometimes, right? We all do about the responsibility. Like, can we find a way out to at least give 1% of the blame to somebody else, please? You know, I don't like making mistakes, which is really the root of the problem, which then I was reading in my Jesus Calling devotional, which I love. I love that so much. This talks about... That's pride, Brian. You thinking you're not going to make a mistake or even when you do, you know, not admit it. That's pride all day. And I think C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity that pride is the biggest thing God hates. Mm. And so well, I'm all about it. Like, how do, please take this for me. It, it really does get in our way. <laughs> and yet, and yet we need it to be able to be strong enough to jump out of bed and face the world. And so there's that, there's this balancing act happening within That's us good. that, you need to have this pride and confidence, but you also need the humility to accept God's help and, and accept, you know, Christ's presence in your life. And and for me, for our kids, the biggest thing that we wanted home to be a safe space. We know you're going to make mistakes. Mm. You, you're going to you're going to 
screw it up. We all do. We all screw it up. I can't take away the consequences, Mm -hmm. but I can promise that I will walk through the consequences with you no matter what. Mm. And so for my kids, it was, I can't have you lie to me because the consequence of lying means I can't help you walk through the situation. That's good. But if, but if there's always an opportunity for us to deal with it together, we'll deal with it together. That's not to say there won't be consequences because there are consequences for all of our choices, good and bad. And, and bad choices lead to bad consequences. But I promise that in those bad consequences, I've got your back and I will walk through them with you. I can't take them away. I don't have that power, right? right. Only God, only God has that kind of power, but I do have the power to love you through them. And, and that's what, you know, we try to do with business people and is, is that same thing, man, create a safe space where they can be real. They can, they can be authentic. They can bring their garbage and Hey, let's sort it out and let's figure out how to make them make the better choices this next time. Let's figure out how to, how to have good habits in, in place of these bad habits and bad habits replaced with good habits lead to better decisions. And then we make better decisions and then you know what? we get better relationships. And so now we've improved our, our habits, our decisions and our relationships. And I promise success will follow you. It sounds like the train's moving at that (laughs) point in the right direction, right? What you just said. So it's a positive snowball. So like the compounding interest, it's compounding interest in our choices when we start investing in the right choices, right? Oh, absolutely. All right. So let's dig a little into gratitude and, and the power that gratitude can have for yourself and for your, for your business. Yeah, I think that's 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 an opportunity, right? We move in such a fast-moving culture that we can easily forget to be thankful, to be grateful um, for even just the you know the the sunrise. You know? <laughs> it's like what seems like a simple thing, I mean, but without that, then you know something's something's wrong here. So I think um, I think I heard you you say in another podcast about that cookie jar thing. Mm. Uh, right, so putting your your thankful your gratitude into a cookie jar or into some kind of Thanksgiving jar or something that you know in the moment when you're thankful, you can uh, put that in there, and then later on, maybe it's a monthly thing, maybe it's a quarterly thing. You know, you pull that sucker out and review it. Uh, matter of fact, that looks like that's a to do for me when I get home today. Well, uh, it's a Google. I mean, just create a Google Doc. Yeah, you know, create right. a Google Doc and 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 put those compliments, any of those good statements that somebody makes, you know, endorsement, book review, whatever, whatever positive uh, uh, affirmations that you're getting. Right. And so next time you get smacked in the face, you know, you got four, five no's in a row and you're like, Oh, nobody wants to listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. You go back to that folder and you go, well, yeah, but see, that's where, that's where that pride, right? Cause pride would just go, Oh, I got it. Oh, I got it. And, and there's days when you just don't. You're just like, oh, Absolutely. I've, been, I've been getting beat up. You know, the cookie jar idea was David Goggins. He, he, yeah. he wrote that in his book. And, and uh, but there's super, it's, it's super important that we celebrate the wins. And it's super important that, that you do give yourself permission to celebrate the things, that, the positive affirmations and the endorsements that, that people, you know, say, oh, Robert, you helped me with this, you know, oh, Brian, man, my LinkedIn profile is killing it now. Right. And, and those are, those aren't just important endorsements, you know, to put on your website for other people to see that's helpful. It really does. Like, you know, I think the, the number social one, proof. not just social proof, but marketing, right. That's, that's brand marketing. When other people, what other people are saying about you, that's, that's, brand that that shows who your brand really is not not what you say it is what other right. people say it is right right and that's and so many people miss that right they want to say i'm nike well you not because you know michael jordan never wore your shoes so yeah, <laughs> but right. when you got michael jordan saying nike makes me jump higher nike makes me you know do all these excellent things that's that's brand and and helping people realize that you know brand is what other people say about you so reading those endorsements back, reading those positive things back is actually feeding your brand inside yourself, as well as putting it out there on Facebook, LinkedIn, and, and of course your website, because you need, other people need to hear what other people are saying about you. So you need to be intentional about collecting those, saving them, and using them for your own good. Yeah, I was just going to say that um, too. That's a great point because, um, well, two things. One, the Google Docs good for us as business owners, I think, because it can serve in a variety of ways. 
Um, especially when it comes to, um, like you said, when you're down and all and out and all that kind of stuff. But I think also when our kids or, or just even as adults, maybe you're, maybe you're an empty nester and you're listening to this, or you have your company, your team meeting, man, have folks put those in like little, and I got these like little color post-it notes in front of me, uh, all different colors. It's cool to see, you know, oh, I'm using a green one. I have a green one. <laughs> I That's saw it. so funny. I forgot about that, Robert. So here we go. That was awesome. Here we go. And this one's invisible. <laughs> that was really cool. <laughs> You've got the coolest sticky yeah. I've ever seen. That is awesome, man. I, I love it. But I forgot about that. But I think that visual, just like we like to see, who doesn't like to see, just picking on money here, you know, 10 cool crisp $100 bills in front of them. Something about the visual of that jar being filled with all these notes says we're doing some things here. And of and course, it could be an encouragement if you're not. <laughs> so. You know, there's so many elements in these conversations that come back to when we were children and, oh, man. and the ways of the children, right? Like the idea that, you know, everything is possible when you're a child, right? There's nothing, nothing that's impossible to, you know, so ideas just, they just generate ideas as crazy, you know. Major League first second baseman. Yeah, the first thing adults do is we say, oh, that'll never work. Oh. You know, and we start to kill those 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 impossible mountain moving ideas that, that children have. And and so I I love it that, you know, we need to, to save those ideas and start to regenerate that that idea that, you know, everything is possible. <laughs> everything think- is possible. Every idea is valid and and God is for us and, and putting those putting those out there in that way and and you know like you said filling up the cookie jar and just seeing and just imagining all those good things is so powerful yeah and i think um too i wrote down here's i think a blog post i'm gonna write maybe i'll do a video clean the coffee filter man i think they're <laughs> like what does that mean well you wouldn't like keep pouring coffee on dead coffee grounds you know coffee grounds that have been expired right i mean because then nothing is getting through that hard casing you're not going to get coffee and that's what we do with our filter. Our negative filter of life hurts or what we see not work for someone else. We're trying to pour this fresh idea onto old coffee grounds and it's mm. just not going to filter out because it's not going to filter at all. It's going to just overflow in a negative sense on the kitchen floor. So I think that's great what you said, the valid point of going, we got we to gotta replace that, um, that mindset with a new fresh one. Geez, didn't somebody say something about putting new wine into old skins? <laughs> Yeah, Google that, folks. Yeah, that's good so, stuff, man. Oh. So let's talk about contribution. Obviously, you know you're coming from the finance background, helping people, you know, dig out of their holes, and you understand the importance of the tithe. But for for a business to understand how money, you know, money's not just a tool. I think I think money is spiritual. Oh yes, and, and it needs to move. It needs to work. It needs to flow. It's currency, and how and <laughs> currency current, and and how much that um, the ability to contribute and and giving can increase the flow. Yeah, I think it's 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 uh, it is supernatural. I believe it is spiritual. You know, God says about what Malachi tests me in this that I won't open up the floodgates of heaven. You know, enough for me to part this blessing and all that stuff. Great, good, okay, but then as a business owner, you're thinking about, well, I'm trying to run this, or I got to hit payroll, or I got to whatever, all those operational costs or overhead. Obviously, if someone's going to start coming to me in day one and go, I want to start a business, I'm going to encourage them to start giving first. Well, giving from what? Investing into the future, believing in the future, whatever that may be for them. And then as they earn an income, continue to give off of that too. Now you can argue, is it off of the gross, is off the top line or bottom line or revenue, whatever the case may be. That's a personal decision. But I think being the heart of a giver not only opens the floodgate of having more money to come back, but also gets his creativity juices flowing. There's just something it does to us. Physiology, our physiology, our psychology, our spirituality. We carry ourselves different. I would dare to test anybody who's not giving right now to give for the next week, 10 days, whatever your framework is, and decide to give every single day a portion of your wallet (laughs) and see that you will not get something back. And I'm not always talking about money. It's not always a one-to-one ratio or, or the scenario of give to get. It's not a vending machine, folks, but generosity is the way you should be living your life. 
And we might have heard it said, living is giving and giving is living. Yes, with our time. But something about our money, there's a reason why, whether you're a believer or not in Christ, he talks about money and possessions more than faith, more than heaven and hell. There is something about money that can keep us connected or disconnected from the work that God wants to do in us and through us and for us. But it's interesting, you know, the parable of the talents is is a money parable, but talent is also included in that <laughs> explicitly, in, in, at least in the English, you know. And so we do need to give of our time, talent and money. And but but the real power really happens when you're doing all three and, and you're, you know, you're contributing time to organizations or to to neighbors. Right. That counts, uh, you know, even to your own family um, counts, you know, and. and and, and some of that, there's obviously obligation idea, but, you know, I choose to work four days a week. So I spend Fridays with my dad and, and mm. that's just a choice for, for me to grow my business slower. Um, you know, I could grow faster if I work five days a week, but you know what? My dad's got less days ahead of him than he has behind him. And so I want to spend time and hang out. And I missed, lost that opportunity with my mom. She's in mm. memory care. She's got Alzheimer's and she's gone. Her, she, she's still here physically, but, right. but. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, you know, we can't have stories. We can't we can't share memories or create new memories. And so, you know, I, I get the opportunity to do that with my dad. And and that's yeah, it's I'm sacrificing business growth for that. And but I don't feel bad about it. Like it, it it's just this, that's who I've decided I want to be. And that's far more important to me than, you know, one more day's worth of calls and recordings and, and coaching meetings, right? right? Right. And so but recognizing that there's power in that there's power in that decision and and in in giving and putting it in putting it out there i love i spent 29 days just giving away money i put it in the i put it in the the pocket between the between the seats in the car and decided you know what every every person i see that's standing i'm just handing out two dollar bills right yeah, <laughs> and two dollar yeah. bills are fun, fun. because they'll yeah. look at them and they'll go a two dollar bill and, and I, part of me envisions them folding it up, putting it in their pocket and saying, I'm not going to spend this. And it's just cool because then they're not broke. You know, you've always got that $2 bill that, that somebody gave you. And, and uh, yeah, so $2 bills are, are kind of special, but I love just, good idea. just giving them away and, and trusting God. Hey, in fact, I had, uh, I mail cards. You mentioned writing cards. I mail cards to every guest. And so I write those on Sundays and my neighbor kid was out riding his bike. I said, Hey, would you take these to the mailbox for me? He's like, yeah, sure. And so I threw a $2 bill on top for him. I said, hey, you know, go, go for it. And uh, I love giving away. It's just, it's just fun. And, and you know, I, I, I spent my time judging or being cynical about, you know, well, if people stop giving money to them, they'll stop standing on the corner. Right. No, they won't. Jesus was pretty clear. You will always have the poor, the poor among, among you. you. Mm -hmm. And it's not my job to judge whether they're poor, whether they're using it for drugs. It doesn't matter what they're using it for. That doesn't impact my giving. That impacts their their consequences in their life. And so I, I'm just trying to do it, you know, for my heart and for my joy. And so I quit being cynical, quit being judgmental and, and let go of all that and just have fun giving it away. It's yeah. it's actually, like you said, it's fun. Yeah, there's joy, right? And so that's why God says he loves a cheerful giver, right? Well, mm -hmm. I think... You know, the giving brings cheer, but it also, you, I think you do need to start there because otherwise you're looking for your return and it might just keep the money in your pocket, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Absolutely. Man. All right. So what uh, what inspires you, Brian? Uh, it's definitely my kids. Um, you know, I just think I want to be a better man because of them, but man, it's a struggle some days because I'm... <laughs> I have, I do struggle with anxiety, but I think it's because I try to do too many things and I want to do it all right now. And, um, sometimes, you know, they get the brunt of my being frustrated. I'm like, Oh gosh. But ultimately when I look at it too, they also are the same people that want me to be, make me want to be better. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that interesting how we, uh, we take out our worst, we take out our worst emotions on those closest to us. I hate it. Why is that, man? Why can I? You know, but so I got to figure out ways to work that out. I think, you know, being active or playing sports or, or, you know, meditating is helpful. But also I'm learning, too, to apologize. You know, my mm -hmm. kids, you know, they're saying that, hey, you know what, daddy was wrong there. I'm sorry about that. Will you forgive me? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, they're so easy, quick to forgive. But, you know, I can't lean on that because as they get older, 
it's going to be well, a little bit more difficult. Obviously, yeah, it's no different than if they apologize to you, but then keep the same behavior <laughs> happening over and over again. It's like, um, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, but thanks for that, Robert. You're you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we can so, ask for forgiveness, but if we're not repentant and we're not choosing to change directions, then then nothing's going to change, right? If, yeah. if you don't make different decisions, you're going to end up in the same exact place. And the so, insanity definition. I also yeah. would say helping people know, live, and love their purpose. I mean, you know, as much as I like having nice things and going on nice trips, and you know, I'm not a car guy or anything. Uh, I just I like I like the freedom that comes from owning my own business, you know. But I also want to have the income that comes with it to continue to enjoy that freedom of having my own business. But it's really about the impact. When people can just see that they can do it or they take a risk on the coach and actually apply what we came up with together. Because ultimately I believe the answer is within them. We're mm. drawing it out of them. We're helping them get that on paper or to take steps and act activate that. That's really what fires me up, man. I want to do it again and again and again. And me so too. that was inspiring. <laughs> me too. Definitely yeah. love that. So owning your own business, raising a family, let's talk about the idea of being able to design your business around the life that you want. Ooh, which part? You going <laughs> to teach me something here or what? <laughs> well, maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously you mentioned the freedom, right? The, the freedoms we have as entrepreneurs to, to well, like the choice I make around my dad, but the choice you can make around your kid's schedule and around the things that your kids, you know, activities and things that are important to them. We can absolutely design our business around those things. Some people design their business around that car that they want to get, sure. or you design it around that trip you want to take with your family and the places that you want to go as a family. And so, you know, being able to choose, you know, what's the income level that we need to, to satisfy the things that we want in our life. What's the schedule that we need to, you know, to meet the needs of our family to satisfy, you know, and of course there's seasons, right? But, but the truth is that we really can design our life. And then I believe design your business around the life that you want. So many people get into their business and just start grinding away and working away and become slaves to their business the same way they'd be a slave to a job, right? Without regard to the design that they want. And they realize yeah. that I've earned all this money and I've got all these houses and cars and all of these things, but I missed out on the life that I wanted. Sure. And I think entrepreneurs that are intentional can really choose first, design the life that you want and then build the business to support it, build the business to make it possible. Yeah. And true story, you know, our great point is that, you know, I'm the head coach of my son's little league team. And uh, so he gets dropped off here at, at four o'clock on or 4.30 on certain days at the office, and I take them to the field on our Thursday games. And, man, I'm, I bring my uniform in, and I have to put together the lineup and, you know, all that kind of stuff, which is fun. Um, but, you know, that's some special time. Tomorrow I take them to golf clinic at, at 5 o'clock, you know. But the cool thing is my wife's supportive enough to where she understands and give me some nights to work. Tonight's a longer night for me because I took the, both kids. To, well, actually, today I didn't take both kids to school, but usually I do. And she'll pick them up and stuff like that. So we just had this fluid time uh it's memorial day at the time of this recording we're gonna get on memorial day weekend and um you know we got two days we're doing a we're a weekend or two days with another family and we're doing a celebrating end of school year and we're going away to orlando for a couple of days and so that's nice. you know that wouldn't come without me having my own business because an employer is just not going to go for a lot of that like uh an, an entrepreneur can do so nice some blessings there so what are some routines that are non-negotiables for you, Brian? Yeah, I'd love to say I'm absolute at it. Um, <laughs> but one of the things I have, and I got my little, my little planner here, is um, if I can have an ideal schedule. So you talk about routine non-negotiable. So ideally, and I remember that this is something I got to work on because I can be rigid with this. Um, if I'm not too careful, it becomes now a duty as opposed to an enjoyable opportunity. Uh, is I get into my affirmations, which are Christ-centered affirmations, um, biblical-based. Um, I get into my devotional with Jesus Calling. I'll read scriptures from that, and then um, I'll get about praying about my day. You know, that's an ideal situation. Sometimes I find that the routine doesn't have to happen in lockstep. It can happen over the course of a morning. 
as opposed to, well, from 8 to 8.30, I must be robotic and be in my, you know, because we're taking kids. All right, I did this devotional morning, then later on I'm going to do my affirmations, and later on I'm going to read. So throughout the day, I've learned how to get better with that. Still not where I want to be, but to aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. So I'm at least aiming at something to know if I miss left or right a little bit, I'm still on the target. It may not be a bullseye, but I'm on the the uh, target. I like it. All right, you got young kids. So what's uh, what is your most memorable date with your wife? My most memorable. Thank you for that. Wow, there's a there's a uh, there's a twist and turn. Um, it's. I'll be honest with you. This might not be the response you're looking for, but uh, there's no right or wrong answer here, oh. except unless your wife is listening. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I think it's these marriage retreats that we do. Um, and again, a little quick story. When we first got married over 11 years ago, well, the first marriage retreat was all about my spreadsheets and our seven areas of goals, like we'll, Zig Ziglar, the wheels of life or the wheel of life, and got to have this spreadsheet and everything's going to be tied to a dollar and a date and activated and all blah, blah, blah. It's like we got like one sheet done <laughs> and we were both PO'd at each other because we were, I was so rigid. Well, over the years, we realized that um, even with having kids now, it may not be this long weekend, beautiful flip chart and spreadsheet thing. We got to work in some of that fun time. We can have fun while getting it done. And so both being goal activate or goal centered, um, we're learning how to do better with that by getting away where we can and having fun while getting the retreat done and coming up with three goals or in an area. So that that's uh, hopefully that answers your question. Absolutely. So let's <laughs> dig a little deeper into into the value of play and fun for yeah. your family, for your business. Yeah, I think uh, what was that book? Essentialism uh, by Gray McEwen. You've got to have some fun. Otherwise, you're going to get burnout and rest and play are essential to letting our creativity flourish. And so one year we even had a, um, a retreat fr uh, uh, theme or a year, annual theme uh, for our year. It's called Nourish to Flourish. So let's be nourished by not only uh, spiritually, but physically, emotionally. And um, we need to get back to that. I'll say honestly, COVID threw a wrench in some of those plans. Um, and then having some elderly parents, as you had mentioned earlier, we've had some issues with Becky's parents. She lost her father. Her mother's now is on some palliative care. That really puts a wrench in some of these ideal start the year on this train that we want to. And we got to realize that that's life and how do we work around that? Well, and it's a season right now. Now the season changes and you got to you got to make sure that you're intentional about getting back to your commitment that, you know, before the before the change. Yeah. The good news is the roller coaster may be down for a while, but it still has a track to run on. It still has a starting and end point. How do we just get back on the track safe and sound? Nice. I like it. All right. What's the big dream? The big dream is really to have my own business covering what we want to cover. I mean, you know, having my business now not being at the revenue I want to be at, but if I could pull it off the board and I can't because it would take too long. Uh, I don't want you to have to edit this as much. Um, but I have this big dream board that I came up with last summer where I did. I have this little online course, a little mini course called The Dream List. And what could you do, you know, if you took the gloves off, if you took the, the, the again, we talked about coffee filters, or if we put a fresh cup of coffee together and had clarity, what would that look like? And just go to town. And so on my dream list, I have big words, being generous always, having uh, golf with my son at many different places. One of my little dreams is going on an adventure with my wife to Hawaii. She wants to go there. Um, going to all the Major League Baseball stadiums. I mean, those are some big dreams because those are experiential. And my wife is real good about helping us remember the value of experiences, not having stuff. And honestly, I kind of like stuff. I kind of like having some stuff, especially technology. Stuff stuff, and experiences are, are good. Okay, there we go. Yes, man. <laughs> yes. But um, ultimately, it's, it's speaking. It's being on stage. It's traveling with my family, speaking for maybe one or two days. And then building a, not necessarily a vacation, but an experience around that engagement. Absolutely. Sounds fantastic. All right, Brian, you spent the last hour with young entrepreneur having that fresh cup of coffee. You're going to leave him with Brian's words of wisdom. What would you share? I'd say, man, you got a purpose. It's time to know it, live it, and love it. And the way you're going to do that is to remember this one thing. We've all made mistakes. You too, my friend. Don't be buried underneath that mountain of mistakes. 
but be victorious on top of that mountain. Mm. Love it. Brian, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time today. What a wonderful conversation. Hey, brother, thank you. Without you, man, this stuff doesn't get done. So thanks for hanging out with me today. If you enjoyed the show, please like, subscribe, or leave a review. We have a free gift for you at addvaluemindset.com. That's addvaluemindset.com. We've collected some of the best mindset secrets shared by successful entrepreneurs on our podcast, and we want to give them to you for free. addvaluemindset.com. In our next episode, Joe Fear. Joe's an American entrepreneur, podcaster, investor, marketer, mastermind host, speaker, and author. He's best known for his podcast, Hustle and Flowchart, 